All right. Glad to be here with you this morning. And uh, we've already been given uh, uh, a lot to chew on in the first two weeks of this uh, series on uh, worldliness, this summer series. And this morning, we're going to make a foray into chapter three, looking at God, my heart, and music. Each chapter uh, probably could take a, a mini series in its own, but uh, we have 25 to 30 minutes to do each one. But um, we want to look, you know, at, at music this morning and how it relates, and uh, how do music and worldliness relate? And should we have any concerns as followers of Christ? I would like to begin by reminding ourselves of a couple thoughts from the past two weeks. Um, first of all, worldliness does not happen from the outside in. Uh, we were already reminded of that, but uh, you know, it's it's not a result of external influences, but rather it's from the inside out. Worldliness is a heart problem, and thus we are all susceptible to its seduction. And we need to remind ourselves of that because uh, in our uh, fleshly human pride, we, we tend to think we've arrived sometimes and that, uh, well, I've got that covered. Or maybe a, a particular area, one of the chapters that we're looking at or themes, we might figure, well, that, that, that's not an issue for me. Uh, that's when it becomes an issue for you. And, uh, but realizing that it's, it's, not a, it's not a matter of external circumstances, but it's a heart matter that we have to deal with. And the second thing I would like us to remember is that no one suddenly falls into worldliness as, as like, like, like tripping and falling down some stairs. Rather, and I quote Mahaney here, it's, it's a gradual weakening, a subtle contaminating, and an eventual conforming to this world. So it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen uh, in an instant. And, and we need to be aware of that. Uh, so that we can be alert to any symptoms, any things that, that, that we might recognize or maybe that someone else could help us recognize in our own lives. The book's authors and our previous two teachers, Nate and, and uh, Mark Werner, used the word drifting uh, to describe the slow process that puts one on the endangered path toward worldliness. Last week, Mark had this statement in his PowerPoint, and I'm not sure if it, it, it perhaps is a quote from uh, uh, Mahaney, I, I, I don't recall, but he, he said, we must remember that glorifying God is an intentional pursuit. It does not just happen. No one accidentally drifts into holiness. We mature purposefully one choice at a time. That's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, one that we would do well to, to ponder and to remember. Uh, I, I did that last week to be able to get it. Someone's taking a picture of the screen there. but Because uh, uh, when, when, when Mark had that up there, I thought, that's, that's, that's good. And uh, I would like to add a corollary to that. I think viewing both of these perspectives can help us be sober-minded about the topic at hand. Here's the corollary. We must remember that worldly living is a natural pursuit happening quite unintentionally. Anyone can effortlessly drift into worldliness. We become worldly when we fail to continually make an intentional, purposeful effort not to become worldly. Any thoughts about those two ideas there? I mean, do 
Do you agree? Do you? I, I, I remember uh, in, in my years of uh, ministry in Florida telling uh, people fairly regularly that uh, something similar to this, that, that um, developing godly habits in our lives is one of the hardest things to do and they're one of the easiest things, even after you have, have a habit, to lose it and give it up. And the corollary is developing ungodly habits is so easy. <laughs> and getting rid of them is hard. You ever tried to quit smoking? You ever tried to lose weight? You ever tried to change uh, you know, some, some, some other bad habit? Hard to do. Uh, and uh, it's because we're in this world, this fallen world. In the excellent... Uh, introduction that Nate gave us two weeks ago, he stated that we drift before we desert. And uh, that was in the context of the biblical example of, of uh, Demas, uh, an excellent example. that uh, Demas, who, who was a faithful uh, uh, worker, fellow worker with, with, with Paul, and, and then, then he, he, he deserted. And um, you know, that means that uh, drifting is always a precursor to desertion. You know, when we hear of somebody, as happens every now and then, uh, we hear of somebody who, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular individual that worked with C.J. Mahaney uh, that a few years back we heard about who deserted the faith. and uh, It didn't happen instantly. Uh, it began with a slow, gradual drift. Uh, that perhaps for many was un, in, imperceptible, but I'm sure those around him probably uh, either at the time or afterwards would be able to look and say, yeah, I, I, there, there was things happening uh, over time. Uh, let me share, you, know, um, you, know, you, you, you might call it spiritual Rus Russian roulette. Uh, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's a drifting at, 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 that, that at, at a minimum it has a certain degree of spiritual danger um, and we need to check ourselves against that let me share an analogy that can perhaps help us remember that spiritual truth if you've ever lay across an inner tube unless you make an effort not to you will always float downstream uh, that doesn't mean that you cannot move upstream but upstream movement will only happen if it is purposeful and with effort. And that truth is exactly the same, spiritually speaking. Uh, you know, we're in, uh, if you want to call it, the, the, the river of life on, on, this, on this earth, on this planet. Uh, but it's uh, an effort to be able to live as citizens of heaven. And, and um, if we don't continually put forth that effort, we'll begin drifting downstream again. We'll begin drifting downstream, and uh, we need to be aware of that. Early last week, as I was uh, listening to a psalm, uh, Teresa and I try to listen to a psalm and sometimes a proverb each morning together, David's prayer in Psalm 141, verse 4, grabbed my attention as I was listening to it in the New Living Translation. David said, don't let me drift Toward evil. I believe that would be a good prayer for each one of us, especially as we are being 
reminded throughout these six weeks of God's command, do not love the world or the things in the world. Or the New Living Translation says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. This world has a lot of... uh, 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 a lot of things that it seems to offer, doesn't it? A lot of things that seem to be very attractive. And uh, it are those things that can put hooks in us and cause us to begin to drift and cause us to uh, be in great spiritual danger. I want to jump into the topic of music and how it relates to us and the potential seduction of a fallen world that First of all, let's uh, consider this question. How significant, how important is music? Uh, Anybody got an answer that you'd like to throw out for that? I'm sorry? Okay. Yeah, it is. It is. I've heard it called, and I I tend to agree with that assessment. It's It's a universal language. It's a universal language. Music, whether you can, you can be in China, you can be in India, you can be in Brazil or wherever you, you want in the world, Uganda, and, 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 and music communicates. You had an answer? Yeah, I was going to say, God chose to use music to reveal himself. We have evidence of that in the the Psalms. Mm-hmm. God chose. God's the author of music. So, uh, you know, we, we need to remember that, that, that uh, God is the one who created it. Um. Try to imagine what it would be like to have a church service, whether that be a a, a preaching worship service, a wedding, a funeral, whatever, with no music. That would really change the, the, the power dynamic of the service, wouldn't it? Change it significantly. Uh, or, or, or imagine trying to watch your favorite movie, but with all music removed. You know, uh, I, I'm not a big movie guy personally, but uh, if, if, what would you say? I said sometimes it'd be nice because you can hear what the people are saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if, if, if that were to happen, I imagine that it wouldn't take very long before many theaters would start to go bankrupt. Because people wouldn't be that interested in going to movies, and uh, because of the the influence and the power that music has, music is an extremely powerful and influential medium. Um, in in uh, in nineteen years of, of of pastoring in Florida, I told my congregation many times that the sound preaching of the Word of God was the absolute most important thing that took place within the confines of the church, and I still believe that. But I would follow by saying the second to that, the second most important thing is the music of the church, the music of the church. And and just like the Word of God can be handled properly and greatly used by God, or it can be abused and cause great spiritual harm, so music can be a great tool when used appropriately for God's glory, or it can be used without discernment and be very spiritually dangerous. And we don't tend to think about it that way. Uh, you know, if you have conversations about some song or about some, some band or whatever, you don't think about, well, well that's got the potential of being dangerous. Uh, but the reality is, music does. 
uh, both in and out of the church, uh, how music is, is used and, and uh, whether it's appropriate or not, uh, because it's a very powerful medium. Uh, so how can it be dangerous? What does music really have to do with worldliness? The author of chapter 3, the author of of chapter 3 is Bob Coughlin. He's the director of Sovereign Grace Music uh, and an elder in his church. Uh, Sovereign Grace, uh, or Bob himself, writes some of the songs that we use here. Um, The Gospel Song, uh, Show Us Christ, and uh, he's written, I think, dozens and dozens of of songs. A lot of them I'm not familiar with, but... uh, He's the author of this chapter, and he offers several good questions to help us dig deeper into this subject. And I want us to look at these questions and get your responses, your input on them. But first one he asks is this, what motivates you to like the music you do? Anybody got an answer, either your own or an answer you've heard somebody else say about that? Those of you who have already gone through the process of raising teenagers, probably you've had some home battles on this issue, this this front. If you haven't, I'd like to know what you did because I had battles on this home on this front with with with, uh, teenagers and and children. What kind of answers are there to that question? It's cool. It's cool. Is that what you said? Okay, it's it's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Music, music was part of tradition in our family. I mean, it brought us together. It was uh, you sat and you they played, and you it was community. It was. Mm-hmm. It can have a lot of connections, associations, and contacts, and we're going to talk some more about that. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking of some things that uh, I have heard, or things that I imagine some people would say. You know, it's the kind of music I grew up listening to. So that's why I like it. Uh, Or uh, I I like how it makes me feel. What are some ways that uh, maybe a certain song, maybe you can name a particular song and and how how it makes you feel. I mean, this this is true in in a lot of sensory aspects. There are certain smells, our olfactory sense, that can can bring up, you know, memories from from decades back. But... uh, White Christmas for me. <laughs> <laughs> Brings back the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My girl showed me how in Spotify you, you can plug in themes. So if you're sad, it's a sad playlist. Oh, no. If you're at the beach, there's a beach playlist. If you're studying, there's a studying playlist. So there's people put in their choice songs for that fit and mood yeah but that, that shows the connection with with uh, right. Jeff used the the words mood and feeling uh, that's that's a biggie a lot of people the answer to that question why do you what motivates you to like the music you do I like how it makes me feel I like the mood it puts me in you know um, Let's move on to the next question. Why does music affect us so deeply? 
Anybody have a an answer to this? Personal experience. Personal experience. Okay. It's got a way. It can elicit, uh, uh, you know, memories of, of experience. And, and, and as I pondered this, and, and I'm I'm no ex- I'm not a musician, and I'm not an expert by any means in this topic. Although I have. Uh, read a good bit about it and, and uh, uh, pondered and, and, and worked my way through it in, in, in church leadership. I'm not sure experts truly know the answer to the why question, but it's a fact that music affects our emotions in profound ways. Uh, and it can be demonstrated that when learned musical principles are violated, there are clear distinctions in human responses. I mean, there's. What is implied? Everybody knows music is neutral. (laughs) (laughs) It's only the lyrics part. It's neutral, okay? That's why marching bands play lullabies and football. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's just an argument. I know. (laughs) I would say it's it's part of a broader conversation about art in general. You know, like. Stories are the same way, um, pictures are the same way, different movies and things. So there's something about the way it resonates to the creator and how that resonates with us as people made in his image. And I think art in general speaks to that part of our souls in the way that we were made. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yes? I, had, I heard a message one time from a missionary who came off the field and gave testimony at his church. And he came, he was ministering in one of the provinces in Africa. And um, during that time, his uh, teenage children were listening to popular music. And as you know, some can be a little more offbeat or onbeat or out of the beat, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And one of the tribal leaders asked the missionary, he said, why do your children call up the spirits of the devil? And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. We We could spend several more hours talking about just this Thing and, 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 and about about the, the, the debate is, is 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 music neutral or is it not you know is is uh, uh, you know and, and I'm my intent is not to try to answer those questions I have my own opinions beliefs about those things but uh, that's that's not our, our uh, direction and our goal this morning but uh, the reality is the music does affect us and it affects us deeply very deeply and that alone should make us consider, well, what's God have to say about it? How, uh, how should we approach this? What are the risks to, to us drifting toward worldliness? Third question, does the music you listen to affect your thoughts or behavior in any way? I think we all, that, that's an obvious, yes it does. All you got to think of is advertisers. I mean, I could probably ask some, some of, some of this, my seniors in here, and, and, and they could probably tell me some jingle from an advertisement that hasn't been on TV for 50 or 60 years. But it's stuck up here 
uh, you know, and 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 uh, uh, you know, or Hollywood producers, DJs at at uh, wedding receptions. Uh, uh, our oldest son worked for a couple years uh, a part-time job in Florida uh, in a photo booth at, at various gigs, and uh, depending on what they were doing and the kind of music, he had the opportunity to observe, you know, the different types of behavior and things that went on, and and uh, uh, it certainly affects. Our behavior, I believe it affects our thoughts, too. Um, Fourthly, does the music you listen to say anything about your relationship with God? How would you answer that? Definitely. Sadly, no. (laughs) I'd be interested if you would hold the class genre they listen to. Well, I, I don't want to go in that direction at this time because uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's not, not that it's not worthy. It just doesn't fit with where we're headed and, and, and I, I got time restraints. But um, you know, with, with just an evaluation of lyrics alone, what major distinctions can be revealed about your theology through music? That can reveal whether... Your theology is God-centered or man-centered. That can reveal whether your theology has a high view of God or whether it does not. That can reveal whether your theology is primarily feeling-oriented or faith-oriented. It can reveal a lot about uh, your relationship with God. And quickly, a fifth question. Are, Are your music choices consistent with the gospel that has saved you? The gospel is a glorious truth, a glorious uh, message and reality uh, that has, uh, for those who have embraced it uh, by God's grace, have, have, have received uh, um, e- eternal life and, 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 and wonderful blessings. And, and um, uh, our music, is there a way that we can have it consistent with that? If you have contemplated this theme before, and if you're anything like me, you may have hoped in the past, or maybe you're still wishing, that someone could just produce and update regularly an exhaustive, searchable list of acceptable and non-acceptable music for a Christian. Have you ever, have you ever wished for that? <laughs> There's times when I have, uh, but I'm sorry to disappoint, no such database exists, and it won't. Uh, instead, we have to plumb the depths of our, uh, the depths of the affections of our hearts, asking God for greater discernment and, and greater love and loyalty to Him. Only with the application of godly biblical discernment will the antenna of our hearts become attuned to what should and should not be a part of our musical playlist. And uh, I found it intriguing as I've been preparing over the past few weeks and reading through Mahaney how. Uh, and I, I assume this was not intentional except for the Holy Spirit intending it, but the connection between this book and the last book that we taught, uh, Biblical Discernment. <laughs> you know, there's so much connection there. Um, Bob Coughlin describes how music is a carrier. That is, it, 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 it tends to get or to convey its meaning from the things that surround it. Uh, and then he gives a broad outline describing how music can be a carrier of at least three elements. 
Music conveys its meaning from its content, from its uh, context, and from its culture. And then he says, when we don't realize what meaning music is carrying, worldly attitudes and desires can influence and and affect our unsuspecting hearts. Let's take a brief look at these three elements and how they can move us toward or away from worldliness. Music conveys content. Content speaks of the lyrics, the verbal message of a song. Uh, Philippians 4.8 that was looked at last week in the discussion about media, and music really is just a subset of, of media. Uh, you know, that, uh, that verse tells us what music should lead us to think about. If I were to randomly pick uh, 10 songs from your playlist on your phone or on your Pandora, on your computer or whatever, and evaluate each of them lyrically, how would they rate on the basis of uh, this verse? Directing your thoughts to that which is true, that which is honorable, that which is just, that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is commendable, that which is excellent, that which is worthy of praise. Think about that. Think about your playlist. Think about maybe some songs, maybe they're on there, but you haven't listened to in a while, but they're on there because you think, well, I, sometime I'm going to, I want to listen to that. Uh, would 100% of those songs fit these descriptions? Would 70%? Would 50%? Rick? You said we're talking in the context of lyrics? We're talking about lyrics with this point, yes. We're talking about lyrics. Um. Perhaps a better way of reframing that evaluation would be to ask this. With the content of my own playlist, to what degree am I relinquishing my intentional, purposeful pursuit of holiness and thus drifting and being pulled by the downstream current of worldliness? It's a good, it can be a helpful way of thinking about it. As Bob Coughlin put it, listening to music is never neutral because our sinful hearts are involved. Secondly, music conveys context. Context refers to the environments that we connect with music. It's been mentioned already a couple times here. It might be the places, it might be the events, it might be the uh, uh, people, uh, uh, you know... um, or or other contextual experiences or memories, our feelings about a particular song or musical style can be significantly influenced by the context with which we associate them. And they are. And let me offer a special note about music and context. The, uh, and this was hinted at with some comments already, uh, the, the contextual associations of music provide us an excellent opportunity to practice Christian selflessness and to willingly give preference by deferring to the feelings of someone else based on their contextual associations. I say that and it, 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 it leans us toward a discussion about different genres of music and all that. I'm not going in that direction other than to say this, whatever your belief about that is, um, I would challenge you to 
realize the opportunity you have if you differ with a brother or sister or an unsafe person or whatever on, on, on these things. Can you think of some examples of when this might be ap- applicable about being selfless, perhaps because of a difference on this? I, I'm thinking of uh, one that uh, um, uh, pretty much the same thing that Wally mentioned with the missionary that he knew of, but uh, I worked with Haitian people for uh, over 30 years, about 30 years, and um, voodoo is one of the prominent religions of Haiti. And voodoo uses lots of drums uh, and, and a very, very uh, uh, rhythmic music and... and uh, I had a man in my church who, who uh, got saved out of voodoo as an adult, and I had many discussions with him about music and about church and about a lot of things. He was also a pastor after he got saved, and and his his uh, uh, take on the and, and and I lived through as a missionary, as Jeff probably did too, the the whole transition from where every Baptist church was traditional, and you come back on furlough, and all of a sudden there's the music wars going on and worship wars, and you go to uh, churches, and there's, there's contemporary and CCM, and, and, and uh, you're kind of in a, in a daze wondering what's, what's happened. <laughs> and, and, uh, but um, this, this Haitian, older Haitian gentleman, uh, his take on that was he said, well, they're, they're using the devil's worship music because uh, that's what they used in, uh, you know, in, in voodoo. And uh, now, whether you agree with that assessment or not, uh, you, maybe you say, well, that's just associational. Uh, we're not going to try to resolve that today. But um, uh, certainly that could be a, a case where maybe you would have to defer. Or maybe uh, somebody who came out of rock music and drugs, uh, you know, um, and, and uh, that style of music is going to be offensive to them. But maybe it's not to you. Maybe you should defer for this reason alone. Even if you think rock music, you, know, Christian, you, 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 you think Christian rock is, is, is okay. Um, you know, or, or maybe someone who comes out of the charismatic, charismatic chaos and uh, certain types of music they use. But uh, um, Music conveys context. And I've only got a few more minutes. Music conveys culture. Culture describes the values that we associate with music. Uh, just a few examples are uh, sexual immorality, independence and rebellion, patriotism, love of money and pleasure, God and the Bible. On and on we could go with a myriad of different values, but you'll note that the cultural values reflected in our music can be positive or negative. They also have a tendency to shift and change over time. And in our society... Uh, perhaps we could say our society is, is synonymous with what Jesus called this present age. Uh, it's important to note that it is primarily a godless world that drives the perception of acceptable cultural values. With reference to music's potential worldly influence on Christians, we must realize that uh, music and its associations don't create sin in our hearts. They simply re- reveal what is already there. Like uh, Nate and Mark, in the past two weeks before me, there's so much more that I like to talk about, but uh, it's time to land the plane. And uh, Chapter 3 ends with a practical warning about compromise and, and some nine practical tips that uh, 
Bob Coughlin gives uh, about using music for God's glory that uh, could be helpful if you want to take a look at that. But I'd like to finish with several helpful statements that I have highlighted in my copy of the book. Coughlin offers two questions that should help any believer move toward wise decisions about the music he listens to. The first one is, does the music you listen to lead you to love the Savior more or cause your affections for Christ to diminish? It's a good question, isn't it? And then secondly, he says, he asks, does your music lead you to value an eternal perspective or influence you to adopt the mindset of this present age? And then finally, let's ponder these two quotes. Unexamined listening habits leave us at the mercy of our own sinful desires and the influence of a godless culture. To be honest, I would imagine there's a lot of us have never even thought about, well, I need to examine my musical listening habits. But I would challenge you to ask yourself that question. Have you ever done it? And if not, do you think it would be a worthy pursuit to examine your listening habits? And then second, quote, listening to music without discernment and godly intent reveals a heart willing to flirt with the world. Is there any redemptive value whatsoever in flirting with the world? I think not. The Bible speaks over and over about his primary purpose for music. So let us purposefully, intentionally devote ourselves to accentuating that in our lives, to use our music to bring God glory, use our music to accomplish his purposes, to please him. So uh, let's bow and uh, close in prayer. Father, thank you for the time we've had together this morning, and thank you that you have created music. Lord, I dare say everyone here loves music. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Help us to have discerning hearts. Help us to devote, our, devote ourselves to asking tough questions, to making difficult decisions, to avoiding compromise in our lives. Keep us from drifting. Lord, may we be intentional and purposeful in our music, in our media, Lord, in, in, in every area of our lives on this earth. Use us for your glory, we ask, and prepare our hearts for the service together as we gather with your church and worship and grow and be challenged by the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.